Beyond the Level podcast is brought to you by tinyhomes.com, focused on consumer protection for people and companies within the world of tiny homes. For more information, contact us at support at tinyhomes.com. Hi, this is Jennifer Elliott, and I'm here with Kenny Bavoso, and you are listening to Beyond the Level podcast. What are we talking about today? Well, we've have so many topics to talk about, but today I think we're going to talk about the legalities of tiny homes. What do you mean by legality? Tiny homes aren't legal? So often they are actually used illegally. Um, and sort of why is that and how have we gotten there and what might be some solutions for that not being the case in the future? Okay, so yeah, why, why are tiny homes considered illegal? So Tiny homes, again, is a very broad term. And so when we're talking about tiny homes today, we're specifically talking about tiny home on wheels. Tiny homes that are considered RVs or recreational vehicles. So when you have a recreational vehicle, the intent is for recreational use, not permanent use. With tiny homes, often people build them on wheels, but their intent is to live in them permanently, not seasonally or recreationally but because there isn't really other options for building them they get built under that rv regulation even though the use doesn't match um the code so why why is there that rv regulation to begin with so you're basically like, okay, I have a, I want to put a tiny home on wheels. Well, how do I build it? How do I sort of legally do it? And you can either do it by just not doing it, like basically just take a flatbed trailer and put a home on it. And now you technically have a flatbed trailer with a load. So when you try to go into an RV park or you're hauling it down the road, you might run into trouble with taking a tiny home and getting it to be under the recreational vehicle classification, you have an ability to take it to potentially an RV park and you can use it. There's a, you know, potentially easier to get it licensed. And so you can, you have a little more flexibility. You might have better chances of getting it insured or your rates might be lower for getting insurance. So there's a lot of benefits to having a tiny home on wheels because if it's on wheels, it is kind of considered a vehicle. But at the end of the day, you're really not looking to haul it all over the country, potentially. So you're in this sort of gray area, and you sort of have to focus on, okay, how am I looking to use the tiny home? Sometimes, yes, how tiny home on wheels makes sense to be a recreational vehicle. Because, yes, you don't want to, you're not looking to live in it permanently. You're looking to use it seasonally. You're looking to haul it around the country. And so the, the use matches up perfectly. And in those cases, definitely, you know, you could either just go buy an RV or you could build yourself an RV and get it certified through either the state or have something like RVIA or NOAA sort of help you in that compliance element of building it. So what about someone that doesn't want to do that, that has a tiny home that they want to use permanently? They're not really wanting to move it around all the time. Like, how do they, why, why would you put it, why wouldn't you just build it on site? Like, why, why would someone build it on wheels if they're 
looking to live in it permanently? Well, if you build it on site, you sort of, you're still having a structure that's potentially not going to be recognized by your municipality as legal. So if it's sitting on wheels, the city is going to look at it as a recreational vehicle. That might be because it has an RVIA sticker, or it has the NOAA sticker, or it has some other compliance sticker that said it went through some type of, you know, that the builder had some type of membership where there, there was some type of oversight and how it was created. And it can lead to some benefits, but there's this huge gray area. Basically, there was no other options for people who want to go tiny and live in them permanently. There was no other real option. There isn't an option today that allows you to build a tiny home on wheels and then legally live in it permanently unless there are exceptions within the certain cities and counties certain cities and counties have created exceptions to these rules and do allow you to do that they allow you to live in an rv permanently like the city of portland but you can't use it for short-term rentals you have to use it for long-term rentals so there are certainly some exceptions in california there are certainly some exceptions and there's other places that you could find that there is exceptions to this general rule. But for the most part, you can't take a tiny home on wheels and put it on your property and live in it legally. Now, that does, that, does that mean that it doesn't happen? No, it happens all the time because there's no other option. And then the owner has to figure out, okay, well, am I willing to sort of break the rules or knowing that there's going to be no oversight? So what are the rules? What are the rules with living in a tiny home on wheels? Yeah. The rules vary depending on city, county, state. They sometimes vary depending on who you talk to. They mm -hmm. sometimes feel like they vary between a Tuesday and a Thursday. Or if you talk to Teresa or Susan or Mitch. So they are very specific to each county, state. One city can be different than another. I think that here... One city to the next city, certainly one state to the next state, can be drastically different. So what are some examples of what a rule could be? A rule could be that you can have an RV on your property, but you can't live in it at all. Another rule might be that you can live in it, but you only can live in it for 180 days a year. Oh, I want to live in it, but I'm going to live in it in an RV park. Now I have more ability but you know what i actually can't live in it permanently i only can live in it or occupy it 180 days or you know what i only can live in it but i only can use it seasonally or oh no they actually allow for it here they allow me to again like in california there are certain areas in, in california that say now oh if you have a primary residence then you can then have an rv parked and live in it legally but again you have to first look at the property so it's not all properties it's specific properties with specific houses in specific locations and then because of that you have to build your tiny home specific to those rules like maybe match the siding and match look the look and feel you can't use certain you know you you can't have too jarring of a look so you have to sort of know what you're going into is rather than just building it and trying to place your tiny home there let's say you're going to look to take your tiny home and live legally in California somewhere, 
you're going to want to know the rules so that you make sure to put on the correct siding and paint the home the correct color and make sure the roof slopes match up or whatever rules they have. And sometimes these rules are a little bit counterintuitive. They wouldn't make sense to the normal person. They certainly don't make sense to just the everyday person who's looking to build their tiny home or maybe salvage materials or whatever else they might want to do. You have to sort of first figure out, okay, where's the property? What are those rules? And then how do I either move forward with knowing that you're going to break the rules and deal with those repercussions or how do I follow the rules and what does that take to, you know, do it? So what would be like the first steps in someone looking to buy or build a tiny home and they're wanting to do it legally? Like what is, who do they contact? What do they need to, like, how do they go about doing that? I think it starts with the property. So you first have to, so many people, they don't have a property. And if it's like, okay, what's your intent? I mean, I think it comes down to, for, you have to focus on what is your intent? Is your intent to live in this permanently or is your intent to live in it recreationally? You have to focus on, okay, how do I want to use this thing? From there, do I have a property or do I not have a property? I can't tell you many people that I talk to that they're talking about tiny homes, but they actually don't have a property yet. And so you can't really line up what to do because you don't have any land to sort of base what you might want to do. So there's really, it takes knowing the land that you're in and not making assumptions about, oh, well, my friend over here did this, or my friend over here did this, or my dad, or whatever, whatever case studies you have, those case studies are sort of irrelevant until you line up what exact, you know, the property that I'm going to be putting this home on, what are the rules? Or how can I interpret the rules and or get clarity with some of the ambiguity that might be present? So you mentioned earlier um, NOAA and RVIA. Are those things that help with the legality of a tiny home? Are they necessary? Do you need to have them? These are membership programs. RVIA, NOAA, these are builder membership programs. So a builder is a member of NOAA or is a builder of RVIA. And for that, they go through different... NOAA is different than RVIA, and we, we can get into that specifically. Those basically allow your home to be classified as a recreational vehicle. But once it's classified, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it's, you know, if it's, if it's sitting, if you have a flatbed trailer and you have a home sitting on it, it doesn't make it potentially any more legal to just put it on your property. Once it's classified as an RV, if the rules say you can't have an RV parked there, but you also can't live in a, you know, in, inside of your flatbed trailer on some structure that's sitting in there. So we, neither of them sort of give you flexibility with doing that. I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's, you know, the intent of a a tiny home, let's say just a tiny home that's a flatbed trailer with a load on top of it, that is meant to, initially, you know, be delivered somewhere where that home is taken off the trailer and the trailer leaves. That's sort of the intent of it. So would you say that if I was looking to build a tiny or to buy a tiny home from a builder, like do builders help with that kind of thing? 
their interest is to sell you a home. And so they are going to sort of generally sell you here. It's certified. It's, you know, we're a member of RVA or that will they'll use the term it's certified, which it's not really the case. They're going to say, oh, it's, hey, we're RVA certified or we have an RVIA membership or, hey, we're going to have this home built through NOAA and they're going to get these checks and balances. Well, that's great. But, you know, often the builder is not going to dig in to tell you at the end of the day, you know, when you build it, when we build this for you, that where you put it on the property, it's going to be illegal. Are you okay with that? There's, they're not interested. That's not a, that's not a huge concern or that's not a great conversation to have with, you know, potential buyer, right? It's, we're going to build you a home. We're going to build you a home and it's going to be an RV. It's going to be an RV. That's up to the the buyer to determine one. I mean, it's up to the buyer to determine, do they want to abide by the rules or do they want to break the rules? We're not here to say you should abide by rules or break the rules. We're just saying, here's sort of the options, knowing you're going into it. Okay. I'm breaking this rule. or I'm breaking that rule and know that you're okay with the repercussions of what that might be, which means the city might come by and say, Hey, you can't have, you can't be living in your RV or whatever, right? It can, you know. But I guess, so in summation, know, know where you have land, know where you're going to put the tiny home and know, then look into what the, the rules specific to where you're putting that tiny home is and know what the rules are. And if you're looking to abide by them or if you're not looking to abide by them, knowing which rules you're breaking and why. Yeah. And or figure out a strategy. So one of the ways people do things, sometimes you have a piece of raw land and sometimes the rules are, well, you can live in a RV for two years while you build your primary residence or know the rules and be able to talk within those, you know, within using that language, use the language that the cities and the counties are using to legitimize it but no going into it or no going in that no i'm totally breaking the rules and but no one's out here to enforce it or yeah everyone out here is breaking the rules so i'm willing to break the rules too or you know what my house is movable and so if i need to move it i'm willing to do that or whatever it might be so it's it's really case by case it's just not one thing it's really look at your property Figure out, okay, what does it look like I can do? What does it look like I can't do? Try to communicate with the city to try to get clarity. Try to get it in writing if you can, which they can sometimes be reluctant to do. Hmm. But, and then make your choices based on that. Got it. All right. Well, thanks for that information. Not sure if we cleared anything up for anybody it's so like it is interesting as we're going into looking into all the tiny home stuff that it's it is interesting that there is not there's not like um an overall like there's not universal rules for tiny homes like it really is so individual and based on where you're looking at like what you're saying it can it can vary even on if you're have an area that you're looking at it can vary by day by day or who you talk to it's just it's interesting and i think there's a going to be a new frontier in tiny homes and i think the place where we sort of are hopefully evolving to is this idea so if 
we're going to get down into another whole subset of information here. But within these other classifications, you actually have a manufactured home that's built on a chassis and is delivered to a property on wheels. But as you get to the property, those wheels are removed and the tongue is removed. The structure is cribbed up and then anchored to the ground. And it was never considered a recreational vehicle. It was considered a permanent structure based on HUD. And I think that we're going to potentially see this merger of this idea that we take this conventional park model RV structure that's built on a chassis but has axles permanently mounted to it, where we leave those axles and we leave the tongue on it, but we anchor it to the ground with our hurricane ties and have a structure that we can consider to be permanent. Gotcha. So it's a bit of a, that makes it more of a hybrid. We build structures that are, because the idea is that, so there's things that RVs do that are totally counterintuitive to living in them permanently. I'll give you an example. When you have water coming into a home, you generally want that water line to come in through the middle of your home, not on the exterior wall. And a recreational vehicle often has water lines on the outside of the building so that they're easily accessible. But for 12-month use, that is challenging because they want to freeze. On a recreational basis, when you're only using your recreational vehicle three or four or five months out of the year, it's reasonable. But there is ways in which... So we're kind of in conflict. We build tiny homes on wheels through using the code of RVIA, which is complete conflict to the idea that we can build a permanent home on a trailer, which we've been doing forever with manufactured home technology, right? Where you're not draining things into tanks, you're not, you're stubbing lines out to connect to a main sewer line or a septic system you're bringing in your main water system underneath into the middle of your home you're putting in more robust framing you're making things way more permanent than the reg regulation is for a recreational vehicle so we have a ton of ability to do it we just have to kind of progress in how we write laws and what's accepted within society Gotcha. Well, you are going down a different path than we started, um, but stay tuned for Manufactured Home episode that will be coming in the future soon. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say about the legality of tiny homes, Kenny? No, I think it's, it's just very, it's a fascinating topic. Honestly, we could talk for hours and hours about this topic. It's honestly the new frontier. It's maybe one of the most critical, important topics in tiny homes today. Um, that I think has a lot of room for improvement, a lot of room for growth, but it also has a lot of ability to create affordable housing that we otherwise don't have solutions for today. And for ability to have, you know, where you're combining that mobility with, you know, cost. And I think that, so it's an exciting space, but we just have to be a little more progressive and we have to, you know, in my opinion, we have to move that tiny home. We have to move 
tiny homes away from recreational vehicles. We have to stop using ANSI 119.5 and NFP, you know, NFPA 1192. And we have to stop with that unless you want a home for recreational vehicle, which doesn't really generally match up. You know, you're towing a home down the road that is like way heavier, way less efficient than, and way more costly. And so if you want that, great, but it's not, a tiny home is generally not well designed for moving around constantly. Yeah, it it is interesting. And it is interesting that, you know, we're talking about the legality of tiny homes and the problem seems to be a bit that, you know, the classification of the tiny home causes a lot of issues with legality. And there's, how do we move forward and change that? Yeah. And it's, it's happening. It's happening. I mean, there's, you know, there's movement in rewriting rules and I think there's a gigantic movement in affordable housing and how to create solutions and I think this is part of that it's not the ever it's not the end-all be-all it's one of many cogs in the wheel to I think offer reasonable housing that's meant to last and that's the cool thing about tiny homes in general is that you're using these conventional building methods so that your house actually lasts 50 to 100 years. An RV is not built to last 100 years. We're building, we want to build a tiny home that lasts, say, 100 years. Maybe, yeah, we have to replace the axles or something, but we have to do maintenance. But it's just the intent and the how it's built is generally different. Well, interesting. Well, thank you, Kenny, for mm-hmm. all of the yeah, information. You. And thank you to our listeners. Stay tuned for more tiny home topics. You've been listening to Beyond the Level podcast. Beyond the Level podcast is brought to you by tinyhomes.com, focused on consumer protection for people and companies within the world of tiny homes. For more information, contact us at support at tinyhomes.com.